Good evening. By way of introduction, my name is Andrew, and I'm greatly joyed to bring to you God's Word. We'll be reading through Psalm 119. That's Psalm 119, which also happens to be the longest psalm in the book, riddled with uh, poetic lament and stories praising God's Word. Well, tonight, we have the privilege of learning about judgment and discernment. That's judgment and discernment found in verse 66. So while you're turning there in your Bibles, Psalm 119, that's going to be on page 540 on the Pew Bibles in front of you, um, a brief context. The writer here is David. He's focusing on praising God's word for its proper instruction of God's people. And the structure of the psalm is actually written in an acrostic pattern. So that's based on the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, where today we're going to be studying the ninth letter, Teth. So Psalm 119 starting in verse 65. We'll be reading through verse 72 in the main verses, verse 66. Hear now as the psalmist writes. Lord, you have treated your servant well, just as you promised. Teach me good judgment and discernment, for I rely on your commands. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good, and you do what is good. Teach me your statutes. The arrogant have smeared me with lies, but I obey your precepts with all my heart. My heart, Their hearts are hard and insensitive, but I delight in your instruction. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I could learn your statutes. Instruction from your lips is better for me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Father, would you instruct us now in your word? that's better than hundreds of gold and thousands of silver pieces. We ask that you would come to this place to give us spiritual understanding. So open our hearts to receive your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're taking notes with us this evening, the main goal or the main command for today's message is to ask God to teach me a good judgment, especially when times are hard. That's teach me a good judgment, especially when times are hard. Or for those of you who might have cleverly figured it out, teth, yes, teth, T-E-T-H, the ninth letter of the Hebrew alphabet or in acrostic format, teach me good judgment, especially when times are hard. Now, there will be two points to the message tonight, and only two points. Um, point number one is the judgment desired. And point number two is the judgment acquired. So point number one, judgment desired. And point number two, judgment acquired. Point number one, judgment desired. Look with me to the first part of verse 66. It says here, teach me good judgment and discernment. And notice how David's emphasizing the quality of his judgment to be good. And this is because David felt that his own judgment was greatly at fault. He failed to judge rightly with God's dealing with him. And now having come to, uh, to realize a more correct judgment, we see him petitioning to God saying, teach me the good judgment, what I once lacked but now realize to be desirable. So let's examine what this good judgment looks like. What about good judgment makes it good? Let's be clear, when I'm referring to judgment, I'm defining judgment as making wise decisions in a manner pleasing to God. Now, good judgment is simply 
godly judgment. The words are interchangeable. And if you look down to verse 68, you can see that in the text, David says, you are good, as in you, God, are good. Therefore, what makes good judgment good is that it comes from God. And David is asking here um, from, to God, the perfect judge, to correct his own imperfect judgment and discernment and align it as close as humanly possible to God's righteous judgment and discernment. Now, where do we find out what godly judgment means? Well, godly judgment is found in God's word. So in order to have godly judgment, you need to know God's word. Logically, you can't have godly judgment if you don't know what God has to say about having godly judgment in his word. And we get this from the second half of verse 66. This is where David says, for I rely on your commands. Why is he relying on God's commands? Well, he's relying on God's commands as a basis for his judgment. And so in the same vein, we should... Uh, our judgment should be based on God's commands because God's righteous commands give instructions for what it means to have righteous judgment. So the point is, let God's word guide your judgment. Let God's word guide your judgment. A simple example here would be choosing a spouse, what scripture says on marrying outside the faith in 2 Corinthians 6.14 or in Deuteronomy 7.3. When a fellow Christian brother or sister is struggling in this decision, um, to marry a non-believer, good judgment is choosing to obey God's word. And you can fill in the blank of any example for yourselves. It can be wanting to be sinfully angry at your kids, wanting to continue in the gossip in conversations that you have with friends. I mean, at one point, we have to decide for ourselves is um, what, uh, sorry, at one point, we need to decide for ourselves what we want to do is what God's telling us to do or something else. So let God's word guide your judgment. And lastly, and perhaps even most importantly, if good judgment is knowing God's word, it involves telling apart God's truth from Satan's lies. So it's having a bulletproof defense against temptation from Satan, who's twist truth. So keep your judgment fortified from Satan's deadly whisper. Now, at this point, some of us might be thinking to ourselves, hey, Andrew, that's great. Good judgment is godly judgment. Um, let God's word guide my judgment. And you know what? I've even married a believer, so I've already proven that I have some sort of good judgment. Uh, the decisions that I make are pleasing to God about like 70% of the time. Well, my message for you is praise God, but what about during times of trial? What does your judgment, how does your judgment look different when your life is difficult? And that's because the truth is trusting the Lord in suffering is really hard. But good judgment is seeing the hard times from God's perspective. It's fighting off Satan's cunning lies that present your sufferings as significant, as everlasting, and seeing God's hand gently comforting you in your suffering. So I ask you today, do you have good spiritual discernment during your trials? For many of us, our judgment is poor and inadequate. We're too hasty to wander in our distrustful feelings that God is against us. And often we're too quick to make up our minds that God abandons us and fall prey into mistrusting Satan's lies about God's character. So the challenge is for Christians, trust that whatever the Lord ordains is right especially when the cloud of smoke is thickest in your life. 
Brothers and sisters, where do you place your trust without a clear vision of God's purpose? Hear now from Richard Sibbs in his writing found in the Bruce Reed. He says this, we must not judge ourselves according to present feeling. For in temptations, we shall see nothing but smoke of distrustful thoughts. Fire may be raked up in the ashes, though it is not seen. Life in the winter is hidden in the root. So in the fiery ashes in winter storms, often God's presence feels absent. However, godly judgment is seeing God's work at hand when life gets tough, as he labors for the good of all those who are called according to him. God works for your good. Even when the enemy meets it for evil, he turns it for your good. So realize that while our judgment doesn't go beyond what we can't see, God sees what is unseen and knows best, so you can trust in his providence. That's good judgment and discernment. Point number two, judgment acquired. Point number two, judgment acquired. How can we acquire the good judgment? How do we acquire this? For many of us, we make errors all the time. Just look at this past week for the poor choices that were made. Poor judgment is a very familiar experience from uh, binge desires or TV over family, impulsive purchasing decisions, to even more serious incidences of speaking with malice towards your spouse or friends or children. At best, our judgment is incomplete and at worst, our judgment is wrong and hurtful. So how can we acquire the desirable godly judgment when the gap is wide? We must do three things, just three. Ask for understanding, treasure his word, and reflect on our misjudgments. So let's dig into each of these three points now. First, ask for understanding. So if God is the source of good judgment, ask him for better judgment. In other words, acquiring good judgment requires asking for it. You just can't know everything. So God is glad to share his knowledge with you as the one who knows all. Especially when the times are hard, lean on God to clear away the smoke of distrustful thoughts. Ask generously for what God is most willing to provide. He actually intends for you to ask him, you know. It's this, this is why it says in James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and he'll be given. As if to say, as if God's word is telling you to ask him, so God expects you to ask of him. And sometimes asking for wisdom can feel very generic. Uh, but if you direct specific circumstances on your upcoming meetings, on difficult people, or uncomfortable encounters, God is pleased to answer those prayers. Second point would be treasuring his word. Treasure his word. Let us be reminded that God's ways are not our ways. It says in Isaiah 55, 8, 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So acquiring good judgment comes first from recognizing God's ways are higher than my ways and then submitting to his perfect word. Not only do you need to know God's word, you need to treasure it though, meditate on it, let it marinate and practice it constantly. Since we grow in understanding more of his word, the more we live in accordance with it. Thirdly, 
it's to reflect on your misjudgment. Reflect on misjudgment. While it's easy to mistake God's unseen graces in the form of his rod punishing you, realize you can be wrong about your trials. How else does David say in verse 71 that it was good for me to be afflicted that I can learn God's statutes? He misjudged his past afflictions for God's rod, only to realize that it was God's key to allowing instruction enter into his heart. So reflect. Let your past trials serve as memory banks for how God has and always will be and will continue to be faithful to you. Give thanks for your present trials, seeing them rightly for what they are, light and momentary afflictions, pruning you for future glory. Now, I'm going to say this part twice, which is perfect judgment and discernment, especially in our weakest state. That's perfect judgment and discernment, especially in our weakest state. Remind you of anything in the Bible or remind you of any one. Look to Christ. If there's any single takeaway in this entire message, it's this. Look to Christ, the embodiment of perfect judgment and discernment, especially in his weakest state. In his greatest time of need, before he was to die on the cross, Christ prayed to the Father in heaven, Lord, take this cup away from me. Despite his anguish, Christ, overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, would not let fear over the suffering he would endure on the cross overwhelm him, but would go on to pray, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Even in his suffering, Christ rightly discerned God's will and submitted to it, joyfully going to the cross. What greater message there is than this? that Christ, the perfect judge, would suffer the greatest suffering as he died for the sins of you and me, hung there on the cross in obedience to the Father's will, only to rise again in three days to claim victory over all sin and death. Praise be to Christ, the embodiment of perfect judgment and discernment. Now, as we near the close of tonight's message, let's get into some applications that I have here. Um, have eternity in mind when judging your present afflictions. Good judgment is joyfully submitting to God's will, as Christ did. So I ask, in your present afflictions and suffering, do you think about how you're being pruned for the future glory? Let's also be reminded of what PJ preached on last week in Colossians, which is giving thanks for the hardest times of your life. Do you respond with gratitude for those hardest times? It says, give thanks to God always, for he sees what is unseen. And lastly, defend yourself against Satan's lies. We might say to ourselves, because my suffering is great, therefore Christ has abandoned me. When more often than not, it's we who are prone to abandon Christ when our suffering is great. So invite other Christian brothers and sisters in the church to speak truth into your life. In conclusion, what makes good judgment good is that it comes from God. So ask God to teach you good judgment, especially when times are hard. Let your past sufferings serve as reminders of how God has and always will be faithful to you. Treasure God's word, for instruction from his lips is better than silver and gold. And trust that whatever the Lord ordains is right, having eternity in mind, as Christ did, submitting joyfully to the will of the Father. Let's pray. Lord, you've treated your servants well, just as you promised. 
you are good and you do what is good. Teach us good judgment and discernment for we rely on your commands. We love you, Lord, always. And in your name we pray, amen.